G'day. Talking about pedagogy with Ryan Shelton, Deputy Principal of Learning at Holy Cross College. This podcast is by teachers for teachers on the art and science of teaching. Holy Cross College is a pre-kindergarten to year 12 Catholic school situated in the metropolitan area of Perth, Western Australia. As an Apple Distinguished School, the college is a global leader in contemporary 21st century pedagogies that are Christ-centred and student-focused. The college's vision for learning allows for all students to be engaged, challenged and progressing. Welcome to today's episode. I have with me today um, an expert in classroom management and instructional strategies. Matt Adams is the head of health and physical education at Harrisdale College down down in the south of the metropolitan area here in Perth. And Matt has really grown a repertoire around classroom management. And I've had a number of questions that have come in um, around our pedagogical approach and what, what, is, what does it look like to manage kids and how do we respond to behaviour and prevent um, negative behaviour and experiences? So I thought, why wouldn't I get an expert in to come and talk about um, what it looks like to manage a classroom? Because we know that sitting around everything, you can have your pedagogical approach and you can have um, what your classroom looks like, your, 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 your content as a teacher, but unless you can manage that space right from the start, it can create um, inhibitors to the learning of students. So Matt, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks very much, uh, Ryan. I don't know if I'm an expert, but we'll uh, give it a crack today. That's right. So you, you've been teaching now for about 10 years in, in health and physical education. You're, you're a passionate health teacher overall. Why do you love health? Look, I suppose health for me is a good outlet for students. I mean, it's it's real life. Yep. So everything that we teach or deliver in health education is um, it's real life. Kids can relate to it a lot a lot better. Um, no offence to any other learning areas, but it's not like a maths equation. It's not like a science formula or anything like that. It's stuff that's happening to them. It's real. They're going to be experiencing it mm. or they've experienced it. So I suppose for me, I, th- I thrive off being able to encapsulate what students love and enjoy. And for me, I've seen that kids love, you know, being a part of health context and, and, and building that. So I suppose for me, I was like, yes, I like, I like engaging in that conversation yeah. and, that, and that teaching. So yeah, for me, yeah, health's a good thing. That's good. And you've taught in some challenging schools um, in your time. What got you passionate about the idea of classroom management instructional strategies? Look, so um, when, when you start out as a, as a young teacher, grad teacher, um, you often get exposed to a variety of different elements in the classroom and there are some key variables um, that a teacher can really control. And one of them is behaviour management, so what the actual teacher does. So, um, and one aspect of that, I suppose, is, you know, building some really good relationships with the kids. Um, So I find that really fascinating. Now, in my experience, I've been in schools where there's, you know, there's challenging students and there's really good students and you've got to manage it and keep the balance. So um, if you can't manage a classroom, it's really hard to teach. If you can't teach the students are not necessarily learning. So like you said, they're inhibitors. So if you can, or you've got the skills to be able to manage a classroom, then you're allowing that or and building that opportunity for students to be able to, you know, develop and learn in your classroom. So I suppose that's why I thought it was very important. And I think it's, and I think it's something very important that young and older teachers should continue to refine as we develop as well. So you train staff in CMIS at your school. What does that look like? Yeah, so um, it, it, it's varied. It's varied um, in in terms of the schools that I've been at. Um, at my first school, I was I was getting trained in it. So um, you know, I was the I was doing all the professional learning, and I was engaging in uh, the development program and um, the foundation program for for uh, classroom management strategies. Um, and then as I progressed um, at my next school, I was given the opportunity to you know do the next level. Um, and then again, do the next level, which involved conferencing other teachers and, and providing, you know, I suppose, I wouldn't call it expert knowledge because I don't think anyone can be an expert in behaviour management because it's very, it's very contextual. Yeah. Um, it's very um, school and classroom based because, you know, some kids will behave very well for you and then next lesson they're not so well behaved. So it's very contextual. Um, but yeah, so um, I sort of developed like that. I had a bit of a, a niche for it. I liked it. Um, and yeah, and in terms of what it looks like now, um, I don't necessarily go around to teachers and be like, oh, you've got to do this, this and this. <laughs> it's not like that. It's more about just providing them with 
the tools and going, hey, you are doing this. You actually are doing this. And that teacher might be going, oh, well, actually, it's not consciously. I'm not consciously doing that, but you are. And it's tr- sort yeah. of bringing that to the level to go, hey, you are doing these things. Continue that. Be persistent. And then they get a bit of a bit of confidence about it, so they, so they continue doing it. So, so what is CMIS? So CMIS is Classroom Management Instructional Strategies. It's a huge program, especially in Department of Education schools. And like I said before, I'm no expert in it and I don't, I don't deliver to other schools or anything, but in our school, um, you know, I'm one of the teachers that, you know, provides some, some advice to other teachers on how to, you know, progress or use these strategies. Um, and through my training, I've, I've done, you know, being able to conference other teachers. So... Because it's critical, isn't it? Because like teacher retention is a big challenge in education and we've seen a number of people, graduate teachers that don't last long in the industry because of classroom management. So, Absolutely. I think I was reading an article uh, yesterday and it was saying that, saying that, you know, lots of grad teachers leave within their first five years mm. uh, and we're, and there's a lot of um, teachers leaving in, in the first, in the early years. So one big aspect, if they can, I suppose they can sort of mold into teachers is this classroom management because there are ver- there are a mix and a variety of schools out there with mixed bags of students in them and having a good skill set to be able to manage them will hopefully allow this teacher to teach in the classroom and learning to happen I suppose yeah so break down CMIS all right so CMIS so there's 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 different facets to it um We've got, you've got your classroom management, so which let's call that behaviour management or what you do in the classroom, what yep. the teacher says and does to, you know, manage and prevent things from happening in the classroom. Then you have instructional strategies. These are sort of the skills that the teacher uses when they're actually teaching. So, um, you know, to build safety in the classroom, to build accountability mm-hmm. in the classroom, to make sure students are engaging. Sort of call that the engagement. Yep. So they're the two big sort of facets of it um, in terms of classroom management instructional strategies and, and they mould together. So you can't instruct without having behaviour management and yes. your behaviour management is entwined to your instructional strategies in order for you to deliver you know, pro- uh, good lessons for your students. So, so what's critical to, I suppose, preventing inappropriate behaviour? The first thing I think every teacher needs to know, and most, and most people do know this, is that every student will misbehave at some stage. Mm. We cannot go into a classroom. Yeah. We cannot go into a classroom and just go, oh, I've got the top year nines for whatever it is, whatever subject, and, and just thinking, oh, no one's going to misbehave today. If you have that premise in your mind that every student will misbehave at some point, then you can utilise your toolkit, which we'll talk about later um, yep. in terms of these low-key strategies that you can implement. So the first thing is have in your mind that every student will yeah. misbehave at some stage, and that's reality because every kid will misbehave. If you reflect on when you were at school and I reflected when I was at school, I wasn't a student that got into trouble much, but I did. And it was I fun. was a star. I never got in trouble at school. <laughs> Looked debatable, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I, I reflect on you know I I didn't get sent out of class until I was in year twelve. Yeah. And what did you do in year twelve that got you sent out of class? Look, I was probably talking a bit too much. You know, trying to flirt with the other the other. <laughs> look, I was yes, I was off task. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> so. We know that every, every student at some point will misbehave. What's next? Okay, what's next? So when you're in your classroom, um, it's not like you're going into your classroom like a ninja or a police officer and, you, and you're expecting this to happen you want to fire and, and yeah. get onto it straight away. It's not about that. It's just knowing that at some stage kids will, will misbehave. They use this word in the program, the CMIS program, and it's called withitness. Yep. And this word sort of describes the ability of the teacher to understand and know what's happening in the classroom, in, everywhere in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's like having eyes in the back of your head. Um, so when the teacher's teaching and they're moving around the classroom, they're helping up, helping students to group work or whatever it is, it's very important for the teacher to have this withitness because if yes. they have this withitness, then they know what's happening in their classroom and then they know how to respond to different situations that may arise. Yeah. So I suppose that's the – so you've got, you know, um, every student will misbehave. The second thing is withitness, knowing, you know, knowing what's happening in your classroom. And that can be a hard thing as a teacher, especially as a young teacher, when you're yeah. trying to learn content, trying to teach content, and you go, oh, I've got this program and syllabus to get through, and it's very overwhelming at, at stages. So withitness is very important. And what about that in that context of the withitness of knowing that the students are on board with you? So, if yeah, if you have this withitness, and, and that allows you to utilise these 
these low key strategies, and we'll talk about one in a moment, and it's, and it's to do with winning over because yep. as part of the CMS program, they re- they really try and involve the teacher in building strong relationships with their with their students. So knowing things that are happening in your classroom builds your understanding of knowing your students. So knowing that knowing what students like or dislike in your classroom, and and I'm and I'm not saying bend for every student because that's you wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to do that. So, but it's having an awareness about what makes that student tick, what makes student C tick. How can I involve this student without, mm. you know, causing an issue? That type of stuff. So, having an awareness. So that. So having withitness actually, in like, it, it causes this spiral effect. I, I suppose in terms of building those relationships, which is which is a skill of CMS. So, because when we think about behaviour management, we're also looking at like. There's the notion of when a, a student misbehaves, this is what we're going to do. But before that, we're trying to prevent it. What are the tools that you think are critical to preventing misbehaviour at the start? Yeah, great. So um, they sort of break the CMS program into uh, what they call bumps. Yep. And, and we call it the theory of bumps. So think of um, if a student misbehaves in your class, and it, let's say it's low level, they're clicking a pen when you're talking, that low-level behaviour doesn't necessarily mean you're going to the deputy's office. Yes. So, like I said, it's very contextual um, for the environment that you're in. So, when we talk about skills, there are a variety of skills that a teacher can utilise, and we can put them into. Uh, I put them into three categories, and this is how we conference teachers when we when we go out and watch lessons mm-hmm. and looking at the skills they implement. Implement. So we have winning over strategies, and um, we'll touch on this a little bit more because it's very important. Um, but they're the things a teacher says and does that's going to build that relationship for kids to do the work or do the do the learning in the classroom. Then we have um, preventative strategies. So these are the things the teacher will do to minimise misbehaviour occurring in the first place. Yep. And then we have... Things like engagement, good activities, knowing the students' differentiation. Is that what you're talking about? So, no, not necessarily. That will come in your instructional strategies. Yep. So in order to do that, though, you'll need to have these preventative strategies in place. So, for example, you might walk around the classroom as a preventative means because you know the boys up the back are going to be talking when you're up the front. Yep. So you might move around and use your clicker for the whiteboard or the TV, whatever you're using, and that's a preventative mechanism mm-hmm. that you could potentially utilise when you're when you're wanting to, you know, teach your lesson. Um, proximity, getting close to students, that's another skill that a teacher could use in terms of pre- pre- preventing misbehaviour from occurring. Um, and the third thing that I was going to mention was um, your uh, responding strategy. So when misbehaviour does occur how is the teacher going to respond? Are they going to go all out and scream and yell and shout yep. or are they going to ignore it? And they're all skills that a teacher will utilise or can utilise depending on the situation that arises. And that's the theory of the bumps. Yep. So they, you know, have your first bump, level one bump, which is very low level. You can manage with these low or classroom, low level classroom management strategies. But if it escalates, which is what happens with misbehaviour, all it is is an escalation, yeah. um, then you have all these other tools that you can use. But today, well, I'll be pretty much talking about bump one, maybe a little bit of bump two, low-key skills that the teacher can utilise. Yeah, so, so what are those tools in our toolkit? Yeah, so um, the first one was uh, that we wanted to talk about was winning over. So like I said before, winning over is what the teacher says and does to build that relationship. It can start before you even get in the classroom. Now, um, I'll use an example and I'll just use myself as an example. Um getting to know what kids do outside of school, football, netball, cricket, whatever it is, you know, sometimes you might see them at the shop working, build that conversation with them and, and that can yeah. build a relationship with with them. If you're taking an interest in a student, they find that very favourable um, and there's a lot of lot of data that suggests that as well. Um, if you're taking a very good interest in what students are doing outside of the classroom, you're knowing your student mm-hmm. really. Um, so that's one little key thing that I, I feel is very important. Politeness, um, um, just make sure you're saying please, thank you when you're giving instructions. So whether it's, hey, Ryan, can you please pick that piece of paper up? Thank you. Like it sounds so, well, yeah, we do that. Yes, teachers do that. But it is a key skill that sometimes we don't do. And, and students can pick up on that as well. Um, names, so make sure you know the names. And this is very hard as a young teacher and for myself as a as, as an experienced teacher if you know students names they know you know them yes if you go hey hey buddy or champ whatever it is 
they know you don't have an interest in them or that they might perceive that you're like, oh, he doesn't even know who I am. Yeah. So already they might be put on the back foot. So that's a key a key skill that you can use in terms of winning over. Enthusiasm, smile, meeting students at the door. I see lots yes. of these I see lots of these TikToky videos these days of these um, teachers that do these little handshakes and stuff for the primary school students. Love it. Yeah. You're meeting the student at the door, you're getting a gauge of how the student's gonna be when they come into your lesson. It might not work in a secondary school, but if you're meeting a student at a door, you can gauge the the, well, you can gauge what, what the student is feeling like at that particular point in time. So It's also a power thing that I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't tell this to the students, but when you're greeting them and welcoming them into your domain, then that, welcome, that, that keeps you as the authority figure in that room. And particularly when you're um, exploring things like student agency and voice in your, your classroom, to have that sense of like, I'm still the facilitator here. You're welcomed into here and being the last person to leave. Thank you for being a part of this today. Helps just keep that, you know, I'm in control as a teacher. Absolutely. And and that's very important because then they can get a gauge of you too. Mm. Have you had a not so good period one or period two class or have, did something happen on duty today or have you got meetings after school that you're thinking about? So it's a really good opportunity for you to gauge the student and where they're at, but also for the student to yeah. gauge where you're at. And as you said, it keeps you accountable. It keeps the student accountable in terms of your expectations. Um Yes, yeah, so, and, and that's very important as, as one aspect yes. of this classroom management, winning over. If you can win students over, they want to be in your class. Why would they misbehave? Yeah. They still will, but why would they? Why would they think about doing that stuff? So that's one key aspect. What else is there? All right, so we got um, the second aspect is the preventative, the preventative tools or preventative skills that a teacher can, yeah. can implement. And there's a variety of them. So these are the things the teacher does to plan for misbehaviour, so to ensure that it... It will happen, but to plan for for making it minimal. Yes, and that's and that's the key here. Classroom management strategies are all about keeping things to a minimum. So what I mean by that is, if a student is tapping their pen and doing something like that, we utilise these low key skills to minimise the disruption to the class, and it's minimal fuss. So your sole objective is to teach a lesson, right? Yes. Classroom management is to aid you in, in, in being able to do that. If a student does misbehave, you don't want to spend the next five minutes going, Johnny, I said to you, you cannot do that, why, blah, whatever it is. So the idea of these skills is to keep it short, sharp and quick, minimal fuss and no emotion. Yeah. And that's key to these skills. Minimal emotion, minimal fuss, and allows you to continue with your lesson. So some stuff that we might talk about in terms of preventative Preventative things a teacher can do is um, proximity. So the teacher moves around the room. For example, let's say you're up the back of the room, Ryan, and you're talking with your buddy about the weekend and how the, the Eagles lost against St Kilda and you're like, oh, there's no... As a teacher, I might continue to teach, but I might just move closer to you just to give you a figure that I'm here, I know you're talking, I might not even say anything to you, but students perceive that, oh, teacher's coming, better be quiet. Yeah. Simple. Did the teacher have to make a big fuss about anything? No. Did they have to say anything? No. They kept teaching, which is the whole purpose of classroom management. Um, one key, Another key thing is private dialogue. Let's say you were talking. Yes. Let's say that I was, was teaching and I went up to the back of the room. I'm always going to say up the back of the room because we, <laughs> we know that's where it happens. Well, if you taught at Holocaust, we don't have a back of the room. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's why I said at the start, this is very contextual. So your yes. classroom will be very different to another teacher's classroom. Yes. And whilst it's all great for me to sit here and be like, yes, do this, this and this, it actually might not work and it might not be the skill you yeah. want to utilise. So I, I do want to, you know, preface that in terms of this might not work for you. I might say it works for me all the time, but it might not work in your classroom. Um, private dialogue is – I love this one because you can get, get, you get to the level of the student. So, yeah. you know, you, you might even just get in there and be like, can you stop that, please? And just simple, like – four words, didn't have to make a big emotional scene and didn't have to yes. get up the front and point your finger and no one else needs to know that you've had a conversation with someone about yeah. a behaviour that they're doing. So, um, And you can continue with your lesson, which is a great thing because you just want kids to learn whilst they're in your classroom. Um, a lot of beginner teachers tend to have trouble with this and, I, and so do I sometimes. Yeah. So, for example, you might be teaching and be like, all righty, I want to know how many goals did... Josh Kennedy kick on the weekend, for example. That's just a yeah. random question. And you're going to have kids going, blah, they kick, kick this, and blah. you're going to have this kid screaming out, that kid screaming out. One key thing with 
CMS and preventative strategy is asking or calling for a type of response. So we know kids are going to call out. However, what happens if I said this? Hey, guys, I'm going to ask you a question in a second. I want you to put your hand up. All right, mm-hmm. so I want you to put your hand up and, and no call out. So putting your hand up just to make sure that I know that you have an answer. Here's the question. How many goals did Josh Kennedy kick on the weekend? You've already given them instruction. You'll have kids that will still call out potentially, but you've given, given them a type of response. Yeah. They've got to put their hand up. So there's no call outs, there's no disruption to your lesson and you've got what you wanted. So they call that a type of response where the teacher explicitly dictates what they want out of a response. For other teachers who do a lot of collaborative work, it might be call out. It might be tell your partner. Tell your partner that I want – tell your partner how many goals Josh Kennedy kicked on the weekend or tell your partner about what you did on the weekend in terms of this, whatever it is. So that's one – that's another key skill or strategy that a teacher could, could implement. Um, active scan. How many times has a teacher given instruction or continue to talk while, te- uh, while students are talking? I've experienced it a lot. Yes. Um, and I know beginning teachers do it a lot and even pre-service teachers do this as well. Um, you know, they'll give instructions or they'll try to teach something and there'll be people talking. And, and they'll keep talking. And they'll keep talking. And you have the room going, mm, stop, stop, stop. You, so <laughs> you get a bit frustrated. You're like, just stop talking. Um, but because they want to, you know, they want to, continue teaching, um, but that might interrupt, you know, half the class. So an active scan might be, you know, giving an instruction. If someone does interrupt you, just stopping and then scanning again. So look, looking with your eyes to make sure you know that with itness where, where yeah. things are happening in your class. They're preventative things. So they're the things that the teacher does beforehand or during their lesson to prevent things from happening. Things like seating plans as well and, you know, you might have common groups where people work, whatever it is that you have in your setting. Primary school might be you know, seating plans in terms of kids that are, you know, weaker students that are linked with higher ability students or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that could also be a preventative mechanism to manage behaviour as well. Something that lots of people do in their first years of teaching so they get to know the students. So these are preventative things. Yep. Now let's take it into the context of we've got a misbehaving student. Um, something's happening in class because we know it's going to happen at some point. Uh, what are we now doing? All right, so... If something happens in the class and the teacher has to respond, we call that a responding strategy. So this is what the teacher does to prevent escalation or disruption from happening when it happens. So, for example, student calls out in class or student gets up out of their chair they're not supposed to or student does something that causes you to go, oh, that's not right. Mm -hmm. Now, these, like I said, these are all low-key skills Remember, minimal fuss, um, doesn't provide escalation, yes. uh, and allows you to continue with your lesson. So it's not making a big scene. Are these bump one or this is prior to bump this one? This is bump one stuff. So this is yep. very low level stuff. So, for example, if someone, ah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go extreme here. Let's say someone chucked a chair. Yes. That is not bump one. <laughs> You're not going to be like, oh, come on, Jimmy. Like it's, it's, <laughs> well, I hope not anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. That's exactly right. So different behaviours will... Um, cause a different response from the teacher. Now, we want low-level responses to be dealt with at a low level, as I've mentioned to you in terms of, you know, not not creating a big fuss about things because you want to continue teaching. And there's a whole lot of um, strategies that the teacher can implement. Give you an example. Someone talks up the back of the room. It's not really overpowering. It's um, It's not really disrupting the other students. And you know what? It's not really annoying you because it's very low level and they keep stopping and engaging and then they'll get back to their yep. misbehaviour, planned ignore. You as a teacher, you've chosen that that's, you've decided that that's not a big misbehaviour, so you're going to ignore it. Now, I'm not saying ignore everything because if you do that, yes. good luck to you because students will, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So one little key strategy is plan ignore, but you might um, utilise that planned ignore with another strategy, proximity. You might actually move over there. You might not need to say anything, but you might respond mm-hmm. to that misbehaviour by moving close to the students. So you, you can link these strategies up. So I've said planned ignore where you might not say or do anything, but you might link it up with proximity where you move close to the students to ensure that they know that you're there and they might and that might stop yeah. them from talking or doing whatever they're doing. Um, I did mention private dialogue earlier in the yes. um, preventative. You can also do private dialogue in the responding. So let's say um, students are misbehaving Get to their level. So it actually might mean you need to get down you know, on, on your knees next to the table and yep. be like, hey, Ryan, that's really disrupting. Can you please stop? 
and you link this in with the other other strategies we just spoke about, so politeness and using manners, because they're going to relate to that and they're going yes. to hopefully respond in a positive manner because we, we don't want them to do that. Um, so, yeah, having a private um, private dialogue with them. Um, the pause and the look. I love these and the teachers <laughs> do them really well. So you're giving... Is this with the eyes in the back of your head or the eyes in the front this of your head? This is with the eyes in the front of the head. <laughs> I suppose if you're really fancy, you could do it with the eyes in the back of your head, but that'd be really cool. But <laughs> the pause and look often go together. You know when you're giving instruction and or teaching and you're going, yes, and this concept here and that concept there yeah. and someone does something and, and you go... You really want to explode, <laughs> but you don't. You stop and you give them that weird, you know. The eyebrows. The eyebrows or the look or you, <laughs> you do something and they look at you and you look at them and they know that they've done something wrong and they stop. Yep. Now, for two seconds you've done that, no fuss, no emotion, and then you go straight back into teaching. That's the look, often very much associated with the pause. Yep. Um, the pause is where you stop. And it could be for two seconds, it could be for three seconds, because remember, it's very low-key. We don't want to stop yes. for a minute um, because then that's not a low-key behaviour anymore. It's escalated. So you're giving instruction, you're talking about whatever it is, it, and then you stop. Yeah. What, so as an example, so I just stopped, obviously, as, as you, as you, you did that well, I like yeah. that. So, and I, <laughs> I thought given, I was in trouble. <laughs> and I would have given you a look as well. So a lot, lots of these things that yeah. teachers can sort of mingle together and mash them together. So you got the pause and look. One of my key ones, and I love this, is a minimal verbal. Um, uh, so minimal verbal is where the teacher says, you know, minimally. So they, do, they, they don't over-accentuate what they want to say in terms of behaviour. So this would be an example of not a minimal verbal. So I'm giving an example of... The opposite. The opposite, yeah. So you're tapping your pen and it's annoying me. Ryan, can you please stop tapping your pen because it's really annoying me and disrupting the less, uh, learning of others, okay? So we're going to need to continue on. Although it's nice and quick and sharp, I've given 15,000 words. Yep. Like really is a student going to be like, whoa, I, I know not to stop clicking my pen. Or could I just be like, pen, stop, please. Da, 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 and keep continuing with the lesson. Yeah. And like I said to you before, you would mix these with uh, proximity. You might even have private dialogue with the student later. You're going to move around the room. You might give them the look as you're saying it. Yep. And one of the next, one, uh, next strategies is a um, nonverbal. So you might put your hand up. Or you might yeah. click your fingers. Or you might wave your hand or you might tap the desk. Yeah, tap the desk is a good one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> you, you might do something like that because it's low key, it's low level. Yeah. And the student would usually go, oh, I must be doing something wrong. I'll stop doing that. So there's a whole bunch of responding strategies that the teacher can use. But my go-tos are minimal verbals, non-verbals, yep. the pause and the look. Because you can give a very, a very good look to a student that you're not <laughs> impressed with their behaviour and you can follow that up with a thanks very much. So minimal verbal. And that politeness also gets involved as well. What I love about this is when I think about the work that I might do with some of our graduate teachers or pre-service teachers as they're coming through is they often don't have thought through what the tools are in their, their toolkit. So it's not like, a, when I see this, I will. Yeah. You know, As a teacher, it's critical that we've thought through what we will if X happens. And as, as teachers develop over time, they do build that repertoire of skills. Now, we're only hitting the surface yes. with this classroom management um, uh, session today. I could go into a lot more detail and a lot more other people can go into a lot more detail about these skills and, and how we define them and what they look like in the classroom. But it's just sort of encapsulating that there are heaps of skills that a teacher can utilise and they need to utilise the ones that best suit them and their students. Yeah. What works for one student, uh, sorry, one teacher is not always going to work for another. And that's important to, to note. And as a grad and a pre-service teacher, it's all about building the capacity, building that toolkit to be able to go, hey, I've got mm. 10 strategies. I'm going to throw this one. Not literally throw, but I'm going to <laughs> use this one. And and that's the importance. And that's the, and that's the purpose of the program, to really develop teacher understanding, to use the strategies and to know they're using them in a, in a really good manner, in a positive way to change behaviour. So I've done a, a, a bump one strategy, yes. yep. right? I've done the look. Yep. Johnny keeps going. And let's not use Johnny. Let's call it Veronica <laughs> because I feel like the boys always get picked on. Yes. Um, and I'm not okay with that. So, <laughs> All right, so Veronica is... Veronica. Yep. I've given her the look. She's clicking her pen. It's really annoying me. Giving her the look. She keeps going. Now what? So what you would need, yeah, it's a great question because that happens. <laughs> it happens, right? So you can do- Not at Holy Cross, <laughs> but maybe at Harris Dale. <laughs> Look, 
whatever school it is, I'm sure it happens. Um, so, it, and and there's no right or wrong answer here because each school have different different processes in terms of how yes. they manage this. Now, most schools, that behaviour that you just described is very low level. Mm-hmm. I would expect the staff to manage that low level behaviour, even though it's consistent and it's yes. persistent and it's annoying. I'd expect the teacher to be able to use another skill. Yes. Now, going off experience, I would potentially use another couple of low key, uh, low key skills. So, you know, minimal verbal, nonverbal look, whatever. You've done it once, you've done it twice, you've done it three times. It hasn't worked. If those low key skills aren't working for you, that behaviour has now bumped you up. Yep. And as I mentioned previously. Now uh, they're not listening to a teacher. Correct. They're not following instruction and they're misbehaving in your classroom. Yep. Even though it's low level, it's now escalated. Uh-huh. So the theory of bumps, which I was explaining before, there's these different levels. Um, so we were just looking at bump one then, like low level behaviours. Now this low level behaviour has become such a bigger issue than what it needs to be. We can bump, not we, it has now bumped to bump two. Now bump two is called yep. the square off. Oh, yeah. So it's a- <laughs> I feel like I need like a gun in each hand ready. This town ain't big enough for the two of us, champ. And what a great analogy. All right. <laughs> what a great analogy to use. So the square off is a skill that the, the, the teacher uses to respond to a student that continues to misbehave um, where low key strategies haven't worked to stop the misbehavior. Yes. And with a square off, it's not a, it's not a power. It's not a battle. Yep. So you used your analogy of, you know, the, the I'm going to call it, it's not the rodeo, <laughs> but you, you, you brought your guns out. It's not like that. Bring it back a few. Bring it back okay. a few steps. So it's it might be going to going to a student, looking at them with an assertive um, demeanour and saying, I've told you three times, you need to stop, please. I'm stopping now. <laughs> and it could be as simple as that. And you would you might use, you might have your, a, a, a a non-verbal with a, with a hand or you might, whatever it is that you would, yes. you use, like your point or your, you put your hand up. You might use a look in there as well. Um, so using, still using low yep. key strategies, but you, you're really now getting- We're still getting down to their level? You're still getting down to their level. Um, you wouldn't, like I said, it's not a, it's not a show of authority, yep. although you do want to have that authority. It's more of an assertive approach. You're getting what you want, but you're doing it in a respectful ma- a respectful way. Yeah, um, finishing with a thank you or- Absolutely. Poli- even though they're not being polite by misbehaving, use the teacher- I'm modeling a behavior. Modeling a behavior, guess what? Modeling a behavior is also a low key strategy. Oh, I'm a champion of this. <laughs> and, that, and, and that's what I mean. You may not have realized it. And, that's, and yeah. that's the whole premise of the program. You've gone, oh, yeah, well, modeling. You, know, you modeling is actually, yeah. is actually a skill that you can use to manage, manage behavior. You didn't know that you were actually doing it. You just did it, right? Yeah. Teachers do this stuff all the time. It's about bringing it to a conscious level. But back to the scenario, yeah, you need to you know, get in front of them, not like inches away from their face. I'm talking, you know, a metre or a couple of metres and speaking in an assertive way, that's going to get your message across. Yeah. And you might use a hand or a non-verbal or you might do something that's going to really get that message across. I told you three times you need to stop. So changing the tone of your voice. Yes. This is now not low level because yeah. you're disrupting the flow of your lesson. You've put a little bit of emotion into it and it's no longer minimal fuss, is it? Yeah. You've escalated it. So that's why it's a bump too. You've squared off. You've you've told the student that that's not acceptable, and they need to pull their pull socks their head up. in, yep. pull their socks up. They need to re-engage back into the work, not doing that misbehaviour. Mr. Adams, I'm not changing, and I start clicking again. Yes, so <laughs> that happens. <laughs> that happens, and like I said, dude, it, it's like I said, very contextual, and and that stuff does happen. So if your square off doesn't work, then you've, you've, you've got to use other options. Now, in different schools, it'll be different things. Hey, you, you might send them out for five minutes cool out time or you might send for someone to, you know, come out and escort the student out. It's, it's very individualised for each school. Yep. Um, but it's very important that we don't let that misbehaviour take over the lesson. Yes. Because then you're disrupting the learning for another 30 other students. You might have to go back to another low key and be like, hey, that's not appropriate. I've, you know, I've asked you three times. Yeah. Maybe going back to a low key, see if that works. Or you may have to go get the big guns. And when I say big guns, still teacher, still teacher, depending yes. on your school. But you might be like, all right, 
you want to play that game. Now, you obviously wouldn't say that. You might, you might say <laughs> I would that. I'd love to watch that. <laughs> All right, you want to play that game. So you might be like, okay, no problems. Look, if you continue tapping your pen, you're going to have to spend uh, recess with me for five minutes. It's your choice, but if that pen continues to be tapped, you're going to be spending some recess with me. And that's putting the option on them. Absolutely. So this is now giving them a choice. Yep. So we're now at like a, a bump three, which is where we've where we've started, you know, moving up and we're now giving the student a choice. Um, we don't really want to get there, but it does get there sometimes. Yes. So you've got to make sure your choices are meaningful as well. You can't just be like, you continue tapping that pen. Um, I'm going to go get the deputy principal to come here and talk to you. Go get the deputy then, sir. That's what happens. Go get the deputy. Because it's so low level, they're like, well, what the, you know? So yeah. you've got to really make sure that the choice you're giving is something that they're not, they're not going to like, but it's not over the top. Yes. You might have to go over the top depending on the behaviour, yep. but if it's low level and you can't manage it in the first two bumps, then something like, all right, well, if you continue tapping your pen, then I'm going to have to take five minutes of your recess. You choose. It's your choice. Yep. But if that pen continues to be tapped or if you continue talking to your friend Josie, then this is what's going to happen. You choose. Choice. That's good. However, lots of teachers especially pre-service and grad, don't have that capacity to grab that out of the toolkit straight away, do they? Yeah. And, and that's, not a, that's not like a, a diss on them. It's something that you learn and you continue to develop as you develop right. as a teacher. I still have moments in my teaching where I go from a bump one to a bump 17. There's no 17. There's only, there's only <laughs> six bumps. But I'll go from low level and I'll just escalate. Blah, 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 blah. Like I'll get. Yeah. And I've just put all my emotion into something that's so little that I – possibly could have managed a little bit better. Yeah. But it happens. And that's and that's the working of this this program. And that's the work of a teacher. You're going to have to do this and this and this and, and whatever th- gets thrown at you, you've got to be very adaptable and flexible. Because rule number one with behaviour management is always you want to keep it at your level as much as possible. As soon as you have done that handball, whether it's a head of department or to a deputy or whatever that school system is, then suddenly you've now said to that student, I can't manage this. Yes. And now that student's got that power. You've built that rapport right from the start. You've done all these things, but now I'm actually not um, the the authority that can handle this or I don't have the power to deal with this. And in some respect, that's saying to the student, you've got more than me. And and that happens in schools and, yep. and, and that's not uncommon, but you're right, it does. It does create that sense of, oh, well... Mr. Adams can't even control me for talking in the classroom. He's going to go get the head of learning area. So, yes, that does happen. And depending on the school you work at, it's very, like I said, very contextual. Hopefully your school leaders or people that manage that type of process will be able to um, assist the teacher in, in potentially developing some more strategies, but also maybe going down the path of getting the student and the teacher in yeah. as to have a discussion about what are the issues I mean, personally, that's that's what I do. So, if, if in my department, if I have students that are um, messing up for teachers, I'll have a word to those students and be and and I'll be like, you know, this teacher says that you've done this and you continue to do this. Why? It's not acceptable. We don't want that to happen. You need to come back and speak to this teacher. Yes. So I put the onus back onto the student to talk to the teacher. The teacher knows. So there's there's a bit of hey, I've done my little bit now. Let's see. If we can get the ownership back, yeah, Yeah. let's get it back onto the teacher and the student because no deputy or holler or whatever you want to call them wants to be involved in the behaviour management process. They happily will, but it is about that relationship between the student Mm. and the teacher and we really want that to cultivate and build. So putting it back onto them in in a positive way is very important. Let's keep playing this out. Okay. All right. Student takes the, the choice, but they make the wrong choice. Yep. Now what do we do? Follow through. Yep. Sometimes teachers will give empty threats. Oh, well, you know, I said I was going to give you five minutes. I want to do one minute. Don't do that <laughs> because, again, then the, t- then the student has won. So if you give a choice and let's say that you said, if you continue tapping your pen, um, if you continue tapping your pen, you're going to spend five minutes with me at recess, follow up, follow through. Yeah. And, and if they don't rock up to the recess detention? Then you follow through again. So you you might give them another chance. That's up to you. That's up to your behaviour management process and policy at your school, but you will need to follow that up. And that will move to the next bump. Now, in a primary school, yeah. this 
this can be so this can be managed quite easily because you have the students for the whole day. In a secondary setting, this can be quite difficult because you might have the student in period one science and you've done all these things and you said, right, you 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 didn't follow you chose you have chosen that you're going to come back and see me for five minutes at recess. You you really can't follow up, can you? Because you've got other classes to teach. So how do you yeah. manage that? You you're putting you're putting the responsibility back on the child. Whatever it is, whenever you get a break, if it, whether that's at recess or you've got a doc period or whether you've got your holler that can go grab the student for you, whatever it is, that's how they can help you here. Mm-hmm. Um, Utilise that. But don't give a – I'm not going to call it a threat because it's not a threat. Don't give them a choice and then they choose the choice and you don't follow up on it because then that will, that will just create an environment where they know that you as the teacher ain't going to follow through. I find this fascinating because – What's interesting in this is you look at it and you go, well, duh, it's common sense, right? But constantly we find that teachers do find this challenging. What tips and tricks do you say to teachers that's really important so that they can overcome what on paper is common sense, right? How do we now make sure that that's embedded into our pedagogical practice? And and that's probably a, that's a, that's a very good question because there's no right or wrong way to manage behaviour. Yes. We've got all these skills that you can utilise and that's why it's such a, a pressing sort of topic to talk about because, like I said earlier, I'm no expert but these things have worked for me. So really, really what I'm trying to say potentially here is if you can build a very good relationship with your students, hopefully they're not going to misbehave for you. Yes, they will, but yes. hopefully they're going to not misbehave as much and you can manage that. One thing to note here is you don't want to go into power with a student. Yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to have that. Let's. It's not called an argument, but where you go into a little bit of a power struggle when they're like, "I'm not doing that," and you're like, well, "Yes, you are. I'm the teacher." Yes. You don't want to get to those moments, but they they're going to happen. Um, hopefully, hopefully you've utilised that many tools from your toolkit bag that you can implement in those situations. Yes. Hopefully you've got the support from your uh, executive team or your, your head of learning area that can help, you know, settle a situation where it doesn't get to that. Or or call off times, call off periods. Or when I say call off periods, you know, just go outside for five minutes. Yes. Come back inside Take when you're ready. Take the emotion out of it. Yes. Because once we put emotion into it, it escalates. And, and that's what we don't want to do. Um if we can stop putting this emotion into our responses as a teacher, then then we can get on with the actual crux of teaching and learning for students. So um, I don't know if I've answered your question because it's a very it's a very complex good, question. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. It's 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 being persistent as a teacher with 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 skills and strategies, and it's being consistent. One thing I did learn through this program is that students want a consistent and fair teacher. Yes. So if, for example, let's say Veronica is doing the misbehaviours and Johnny is also doing those misbehaviours, but we come down much harder on Johnny because we know Johnny is that student that will do that all the time. Yeah. All Johnny wants is consistency and fairness. So whatever punishment or consequence, I shouldn't say punishment, but whatever consequence or choice or whatever it is that has occurred and you've made as the teacher, if Veronica does the same thing, then Veronica should get the same as what Johnny did. And that's all – that's what students want. Yes. Students want your teacher to be able to manage a classroom, be consistent and be fair. And the message there is be consistent. So one lesson, don't allow that stuff to happen. You don't allow it to happen. And the next you're like, oh, well, today I'm going to be a bit more relaxed. I'll let that happen. You've got to have consistency in your teaching and your approach because then that will create routine and then students will start to mould and adapt to you. And that could also alleviate problems of misbehaviour. One of the things I've witnessed with um, some teachers when they, they do have these, you know, bump five, bump six sort of uh, experiences. Is there a bump six? Yes, yes. there is a bump six, uh, yeah. Let's say the high-end behavioural issues that have occurred in their class is that to me the most important next step is that idea of a restoration Yes, there's been a punishment. Yes, we've had this really highly emotional encounter, but there needs to be a sense of 
You've done the crime, you've done the time, we draw the line in the sand and we can now move forward rather than a, I need to be moved out of this class and I'm never coming back in here again. Where does that sit? Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's part of the process. So as you just, as you just alluded to, there are, there are further bumps. There's six bumps. I call it a, a, the theory of bumps. There's six, six, sort of, six sort of speed humps along the way. Yep. Um, the, last, the last bump per se is called this informal contract or agreement type section. Now, like I said, depending on your school and how they manage their behaviour management policy yep. and what they do in the school will depend on whether this stuff this, this uh, is relevant. So, um, you know, we had power with a student and they're going, oh, I'm not doing that and blah, 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 whatever it is, and you've sent them out and they've done their consequence or they haven't done the consequence or whatever it is, that can create a bit of pressure and a bit of angst for the next lesson. And that's what you were alluding to. Um, and sometimes teachers, we go... Well, he's not coming back in, and nah, nah, nah. that's it. And or teachers get anxious about going to class because oh, I've got to see Matt again, and, and that and that happens, and that's real life. So I think what is really important here is that the teacher's not alone. The teacher has to and shouldn't be ashamed to use their 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 head of learning area, or use their yep. executive, or use their deputy to guide them through this. And I think that's important. Um, if someone comes to a deputy or a whole, they should be really open to solving the situation and I think that's yeah. very important and, and coming from experience where I've had to do this with staff I mentioned earlier where we you know you put the onus back onto the teacher and the student this is where you do have to have restorative or it might even it might not even be restorative it just might be a conversation and then that can that can form the part of their behavior can form the part of your conversation hey Veronica consistently over the past two weeks you've been you know you've been talking a lot whilst I've been trying to instruct have you, be, have you noticed that? And she might be really good and be like, yeah, I have, sir, mm-hmm. or no. And then you've got, to, you know, you've, you've got to be prepared to be like, well, this is what I'm telling you and this is, these are the behaviours that I have seen and it, it's not acceptable and not appropriate because you're disrupting the others in the class. So it's not coming down on them like in an aggressive manner. Yes. It, you've got to be very assertive. You've got to be good with your words and you've got to get your message across to the student so that they know that what they're doing is, is not appropriate. And hopefully you'll be able to come up with some sort of agreement or some sort of process where the student can be moulded back in to your to your class or your your lesson without without having this hysteria that they're going to do it again. Because remember, yes, every student will misbehave, and if they do misbehave, the next lesson is a clean slate. What should be, because that's what you can do with everyone else. So if Arana can continues to do that, you've got to come up with a process. And bump six bump six is that contract. And, and that's where you can utilise the assistance from your deputy or your holler to, to establish those protocols, those procedures for those students to hopefully behave more appropriately in your class. I'm loving this, Matt. We could talk all day. <laughs> um, what other tips and tricks would you say, last-minute things that you would say, yes, teachers need to know this when it comes to behaviour management and classroom management? Yeah, so I think we've, we have really alluded a couple of key points here and one of them earlier was that every student will misbehave if there's one thing you take from this session, it's that. Yeah. And then there's a reason why they've misbehaved. Yeah. And they could, and we don't need to go into details about why that's happened. I mean, they could have lost their football game. They could have not won their uh, netball game. They could have an argument with mum, dad, boyfriend, girlfriend issues, whatever it is. There's a, there's a reason why it's happened. And you, you don't have to be the person to solve it. You just have to be the person that manages it. Yes. And how you manage it will impact how your lesson goes. Because if you put... If you put minimal fuss, minimal emotion into it, then your lesson's going to hopefully flow and hopefully they'll be able to re-engage. If you're using your winning over strategies, you hopefully would have picked that up when you were standing at the front of your classroom greeting and meeting them in. Hey, Ryan, how was the week? Fantastic. Oh, great to see that you're here today. Veronica, how are you? Oh, not so good. No worries. Let me know if you need any support today or if you need me to come over and help you with any of the activities. So you're gauging when they're walking in. So so every student will misbehave. Two, having a having with itness, that big W word, knowing everything that's happening in your class, or, or even before, even before, so that standing at the door, not getting to know your students really well. Um, so having those eyes in the back of your head. So there's there two key things. And the third thing is your toolkit is very important in the classroom. So if you can if you can have a whole variety of strategies, classroom management strategies to manage behavior, then when something does arise in your classroom, you can pull out a variety of strategies to use for that particular situation. Just remember that these low key strategies are minimal fuss. They don't have an emotion attached to it. 
and they don't allow for escalation. And, and very importantly, they don't disrupt the flow of your lesson. Mm -hmm. And that's key because your job is to continue teaching. Yes, you will have to manage behavior, but if you do that in a way that doesn't disrupt what you're doing, some students will be oblivious that behavior or misbehaviors happen in your class. And there are probably three key points that I would probably reinforce in terms of classroom management strategies. Sensational. Matt, thanks so much for your time today. If uh, our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you if they've got any questions? Uh, e email is probably the best way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if you if there's a way that we I can, can put your email into the uh, description of this podcast. So just check out that and you can see that. Absolutely. Um, there are a variety of resources. Now I'm from, I'm from the Department of Education in terms of I work in a public school, so yep. I, I can access these types of programs. Um, it, depending on where you, where you work, so if you work in the independent schools or Catholic system, um, like utilising those resources that your, your head office have available, yes. um, that they, they're also good tools to utilise as well. Um, and like I said, I'm no expert. I know you introduced me. I think me, you are. <laughs> you introduced me as an expert. I've just done lots of training and I provide professional development for staff at my school about, about classroom management. And just be reflective, be a learner, because I don't know everything and that's the key. I will see things done in classes and I go, wow, I'm going to do that in my classroom, even though I've been out for nine years, 10 years of teaching. So it's all about learning and continuing to add to your toolkit. It's a constant theme that comes up in this podcast that um, that lifelong learning for teachers is critical. So Absolutely. Um, thanks so much for your time, Matt. I think there's an absolute pearls of wisdom in there for everyone that listens to this. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, sharing that with you today. So good luck to anything. And if anyone, the listeners have any questions, they can get in touch with you. Fantastic. So thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. If you know of any awesome educators that we should have on this podcast, please reach out. Thanks for listening to the Talking About Pedagogy podcast from Holy Cross College. Be sure to find us at holycross.wa.edu.au and follow us on Twitter. Goodbye, God bless, and thank you for being my friends.